Hello. 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 Oh, hold on. Oh. I can hear you. Uh, I can hear you too, but you're very faint. Oh, is that me though, or is it you? I don't know. Mm, looks like it's. I this. I'm using my new my new Fat Boy for the first time. I got the Fat oh, no, Boy. I, I got to turn you up in my cans. Turn yeah, turn me up in the cans. Yeah, we're good now. We're good. Okay, now you can hear me good. Yep. Oh, perfect. Good. This is my. This is our first recording with my uh, my studio my studio setup. Because we're with, like, finally, I needed a studio for my work because we're in a podcasting studio. And uh, so I have two, I've got a couple of studio displays and I've got a Mac studio that looks like a mini, but it's a fat, it's a fat boy. And, it, and so I'm, yeah, you know what, you know what I'm saying? I'm getting about 50% of what you're saying. Studio. Um, you Mac. know, it's a studio because you have a studio display. Yeah, it's a studio. I have and I have a Mac Studio desktop. Huh. One of these. Okay. You know what I'm saying? No. Wait, wait. It's coming. Yeah. It's a. It's an Apple Apple Mac Studio. Mac 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 Studio. <laughs> it's in a. It's a power station. Uh, is I think what it's called. Here it comes. It's coming in the chat. Right okay. there. It looks like this. Um, oh, look at that. It's an M Power station. <clears throat> huh. I watched. Yeah. See, I watched the event. And then I, then I bought it and, uh, and it, I'll tell you, it is done. It is fast. It is, um, it, it edited some audio. Wow. It's it got outrageous performance. If you scroll through, um, it, it edited some audio for us last week, uh, or maybe, uh, two weeks ago, but we haven't recorded since then, but it was like, I mean, in, in literally seconds, it exported things. It's very fast. So I'm I'm feeling good about it. I'm cool. Coming, yeah, coming to you from a new from a, a new machine. Um, I I got I I just ate some hot dogs, which is not on my seven. Well, it is technically on a Seven Eleven diet, just not my normal Seven Eleven diet. And I I feel I'm just telling you now I feel good. I feel like I got I hot dogs are my my guilty pleasure food. Um, they they are I. They're very comforting. I like them. I, I I dropped by a hot dog place called Snoopy's. I think we've talked about this in the past, but I I just had I, I just needed hot dogs, and so I, I just I ate a couple of hot dogs, and I was ready to ready to go, ready ready to podcast with you. And you've been battling a smoke alarm. Are you still? Has it been? Um, not not to like obsec you, but has your has your smoke alarm been disabled, or has it been? Um, uh, have you put if you put batteries in it, what's uh, what's going on? Well, so you know, funny funny story. It's it's not the kind. It's the kind of smoke detector that has a ten year non user serviceable battery, and so after ten years, you just throw it out and you get a new one. Um, which is apparently the new the new style of smoke detectors that everybody right. wants. And so these are newly installed by um, our electricians, uh, Bianco Electric. Highly recommended if you live in Milltown or nearby. Um, but they, they started malfunctioning and I'm not sure why they started malfunctioning, but I'm thinking it might have something to do with new, new lights installed in my office, also installed by Bianco Electric. 
<laughs> um, and they may have put one of the lights. So the 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 smoke detector's been there for a while. We when we when we had them in for the first round of of fixing electric in the house, we just had them put in smoke detectors and carbon monoxide detectors, and you know as per code. Um, but uh, but not do lights in my office because at that point I thought we were gonna put a window in my office instead. But, but uh, it turn, turns out that probably lights are a better solution. But I'm thinking that the smoke detector may be too close to one of the lights. But for now things are quiet. But it took several rounds of pressing different buttons and and also this this problem manifested yesterday and I was able to troubleshoot it and then it came back today. Um, so I'm not really sure what's going on. But it's all it's pretty quiet right now. But but on the on the topic of uh, 7-Eleven diet. So as we as we shared, Ben, um, I got my fourth uh, booster. Yeah. Um, the other day, and I felt like absolute crap yesterday. Uh, and part of what I did because I felt like crap was I didn't have any breakfast because I really wasn't feeling hungry. Yeah. And then I'm like, roll, lunchtime rolled around, and I said to myself, Hey now's my chance to jump on the 7-Eleven diet train. So uh, I did, I had lunch and then I uh, had lunch afternoon. And then I, I waited and, you know, I didn't eat anything after eight o'clock. And then I got up this morning and I did this, the same thing. Here we I'm are. Cheating a little, well, cheating a little bit because I got had coffee, which has, when I make it has half and half in it, but that was yep. my only, that was what I had for breakfast. And then uh, we'll see if I can stick with it. So yeah, well, who knows? Okay, look for, look for an update uh, on the next podcast when I'm sure I will have reverted to my old habits, but you know, for I'm, I'm on this second day. <laughs> Accidental 7-Eleven seven diet. It yes. wasn't, it wasn't planned. Yeah. Well, I've been, so um, I can't remember if we talked about this in the last episode or if we talked about it in an episode that we didn't record um, because we were, it was just you and I having dinner with a couple of lovely, lovely individuals from uh, PepsiCo, or if it was, I don't think it was when we actually did a podcast um, at the PepsiCo headquarters, but um, I, I was told, telling you about my, my knee, right? Like I've shared my my, my, my challenge, maybe, maybe I did talk about it in our last podcast. Anyway, my knee is better. Well, it's getting better. It's not back to hundred percent, but I have had, I, 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 and I I'm full into like self body shaming or, or like worried about putting on weight because I have not, <clears throat> not at all been working out mm -hmm. really for the last, um, gosh, I think it's now, this is week number four without running, without um, riding my bike, without work, and, like and, doing anything. And is this department head related or is this something else? No, like I hurt, I hurt my knee. Mm, um, okay, knee, yeah. right, right, you mentioned, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so no, not not department head really, and not, no one kicked me in my department head role. Um, I didn't, I didn't fall. Um, I hurt my knee running and, and uh, then I have not, uh, I've given it time to heal. And it's a very different kind of injury than I've had before. It's this, um, I think we talked about it. It was, a, I have a- We a talked about this. This is the weird, I don't even, now, yeah. now I'm having to block that image out of my head. Yeah, which we linked to on a past podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a baker's cyst. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, it's it's getting better. Like to, the, like the last two days, I have, I, I've not hurt at all, but I still feel like I'm not ready to go back to my normal- like, um, workout regimen and, um, and, but, but I'm now, and you know, I've, I've done, I've done well over the last year, uh, 
see uh you know episode from a year ago when i learned that i had really high blood pressure when i went to the dentist um i lost like about 35 pounds almost 40 pounds from a variety of things the 7-eleven diet plus the much better food choices plus a lot of like a, a lot more exercise just taking better better care of my body but the last month i've been like worried that i'm like i'm i'm gonna fall off the 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 wagon and i th this is the first time in my life where i've wanted to go do something super physical and just haven't been able to and i've like it's been like made me anxious and um and, and made me think about like I'm I'm very happy with the weight that I'm at right now, but this might go away. So anyway, I feel like I'm I'm turning a corner. I'm just sharing this with you because my like two hot dog lunch that I just had my my new 7-Eleven diet, um, just uh, it's it, it's it, it's weighing on my mind. My food decisions are weighing on my mind. So so I'm sure I'm just sharing that with you. No no nothing to uh, nothing to worry about. Um. So, but you're, you're day two into this. How was, was today better from uh, not eating breakfast than it was um, yesterday? Like, did was, you, yeah. It was about the same, hmm. I would say. Um, you know, it, it was fine. I didn't really, I, I have gotten into the habit of eating breakfast in the morning before I have coffee, just as that was the routine that I had gotten into. Um, but no, it was really, it was really not, you know, I started to get hungry, like shortly before lunch. And then it's like, okay, well, I can just, I can just wait until 12, you know, to, to have my lunch. So no, it was, it was, it was fine. I was not a, not, I mean, I think the bigger challenge for me, it wasn't, it wasn't a challenge yesterday. Um, um, because I was just feeling like crap. And so it was right. easy, easy to just like stop eating after eight and then go to bed at a relatively early hour for me. Um, it'll be interesting to, to see today now that I'm feeling like much better, um, whether I just can stop, you know, have the willpower to stop snacking and, uh, you know, after, after eight o'clock, which is my typical uh, weakness, but uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Well, it's, um, yeah, I remember it took me a little bit of time to get, to get through it. Like, like I, um, once I got into it, maybe a week or two, it was, it was fine, but it did. I definitely felt, um, for, first of all, hungry, but also like, I don't know, irritable and, and mm. worn down a little bit, but then I think I, you know, you, I, I trained my body to not expect food right away. And, uh, and it, and it's worked out. I've, I've kept a pretty good, you know, I'm like 90, 95% of the time I'm within those, those parameters and I'm a noon to eight, not, um, not, not 11 to seven or seven yeah. to 11. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, I did, I did noon, noon to eight as well. Although I may, I may, I may like, cause typically I eat breakfast by myself, but on the weekends, I typically have breakfast with my wife and I may like just go off on the weekends and just go to a, like a more normal schedule. Um, and then just go back in the week, just go back to, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'm see just, it's goes. just an experiment, you know, just trying it out. Yeah. Good, good, good. Um, uh, we uh, there there are things I was going to tell you about. Um, I I have now exposed so things that I'm watching. Um, I've exposed my kids to the world of Judd Apatow, mm -hmm. um, and uh, we we watched Anchorman, and well, and I don't even know if Judd Apatow did Talladega Nights, but maybe it's just Will Ferrell movies. And uh, I'll tell you, Don, these movies are 
very perfect for 12 and 14 year old boys. Some, some not maybe appropriate stuff, but I'll, my kids have loved it. So I'm like revisiting these movies from, you know, I don't know, two decades ago. And they're, they've, they've stood up fairly well, but then there's some like just off color things that I, that make you cringe a little bit that wouldn't have made us cringe the, the same amount, um, back two decades ago. So I, it, it's like every time something happens, we, like I, I have to pause. And I'm like, Hey, that's that, that word is not good. Like we're not, we're not, we're not, none of us we are using that say, word. We don't yeah. say that word anymore. We don't say that word. We don't say that word uh, in that, in that context. Um, so, but yeah, we've been, it's been, it's been interesting for us. The we're in this dead zone of not a lot of sports on TV. And so we're watching a lot of, we're watching a lot of movies. Um, there's a, my kids went to see the minions movie yesterday mm. are you are you familiar with the minions oh yes we we're Kristen very much likes the minions and we will probably see that movie at some point for sure so uh they loved it um but there is a uh there's this this whole tiktok um thing around people going to the minions movie and dressing up not as minions <laughs> uh-huh. well there is a little bit of that but dressing up like formally so um so i asked my kids and there was they they went yesterday afternoon at about two-thirds of the um I, I think the, the their their estimation well the kids around their age so let's say like 10 to 15 year olds were wearing like suits ties a couple of kids in tuxedos yeah it's like a whole thing so have, oh, have you wow. have you seen this do you know anything about it uh, this seems vaguely familiar um yeah this seems vaguely familiar that things are people are doing this but yeah well I, I'm not, no I've not seen it on TikTok for example. it is on it is on the um, yeah, so I'll send you a couple of links. TikTok videos show young men flocking to the Minions movie in suits. <laughs> that is okay. That, they're they are flocking in suits. Um, so my kids did not dress up. They have their uh, well, we we all have. We have family from Canada here visiting, so they have some younger cousins. And uh, my kids felt it was really not appropriate for th- for them to dress up and then not allow like the that the cousins weren't able weren't able to dress up so they just like just didn't do it in solidarity with their cousins they didn't yeah. do it yeah, yeah 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 totally so exactly um so we've got we, we've been watching that um there's uh gosh are you i know you've got a you've got brit box right mm-hmm. you got the you so are you familiar with the gardening shows as a genre, do you know about these? No, I'm familiar with Emily's Garden Show, which is a bit on Love It or Leave It, but I think that's something different. No, that's totally different. That is not. That is not. There is a there is a gardening a suite of gardening shows that are British, um, and so there's Gardener's World. There's Around the World in Eighty Gardens. There's the Great British Garden Revival. There's Monty Dawn's French Gardens, a life. Life in a Cottage Garden with Carol Klein, The Great Chelsea Garden Challenge. I mean, Don, there are just a bunch of gardens, gardening shows. Um, and so we are um, now watching gardening shows, specifically Gardener's World. Um, when you say we, you mean your uh, entire family? Well, sort of, I guess. So, so here's how we're, we're assembling in the living room with, with one of the TVs. We have multiple TV stations, Um, but Danny's watching the gardening shows 
and I'm there like kind of tall not tolerating like I'm kind of like watching stuff on or not watching stuff but like reading stuff on my iPad while the gardening show is going on in the background and the other two kids are also or the two kids um are also in the room just watching TikTok on their phones so I mean I guess we're <laughs> Like, I mean, gardening shows are happening. I don't think everybody's really watching it. It's, there's something, like, like, like there's there's a whole phenomenon. I'm going to send you a couple of links. Um, one to the, I'm sure, I'm like, I, I know based on the New York Times article that I read about this this week that goes back to, I think it's March. This is like a phenomenon about British gardening shows um, being something that, um, Americans have discovered discovered through the the pandemic and and now like like the great British Bake Off we're we're doing the same in Tiger King so we're you know I, I guess back we're we're behind the curve we're at the end of the curve we're not ahead of the curve at all um but uh but this is like a whole thing and there it, it is um not very taxing on your mind like mm -hmm. you don't really have to pay attention mm -hmm. there there are some beautiful visuals like they're shot in yeah extremely beautiful ways like there's a lot there's a lot of there's a lot of colors there's a lot of texture there's some very cool gardens there's a lot mm -hmm. of a lot of close-ups on 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 flowers and then there's some just really interesting like interviews that happen mm -hmm. It, but this is what we're watching now. Like, and mm -hmm. here's here's the the, uh, the thing that I'm worried about, Don. Um, if you look on one of the links I just sent you, you'll notice that um, that there are 54 seasons of Gardener Gardener's World. 54 seasons. We're not talking now. Sure, you, you know, uh, British shows are 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 not as long seasons but 54 seasons is that it's a lot I just i don't know i don't know how much gardening i'm going to be able to watch oh i may have lost you due to your smoke detector so i will i, I will i will keep talking and maybe edit some of this out um so yeah a lot of a lot of gardening a lot of gardening shows um yeah Oh, and, and you're back. So, yeah. So I've been so watching. We should, <laughs> we should explain. <laughs> we should explain for the listeners um, that we have a smoke detector situation in my house right now. There is no fire. Um, the smoke detectors do think there's a fire. And so um, I'm going to do my best to, uh, to manage that. Um, so before the smoke detectors come back on, can I tell you about what we've been watching? Yes. Yes, please. So we just started this last night and we, and it's only four episodes and we just watched the first two. And I don't know, Ben, you know, I know you don't follow American politics uh, and you probably certainly don't follow American politics from um, 50 years ago, but do you know what we're celebrating the uh, 50th anniversary of? Um, 1920, uh, this would be 1972. Is it the 1972 uh, presidential uh, campaign? Is it Watergate? Oh, it's Watergate. Nice. Oh. Yeah. So we just, and there's a button, apparently it's, if you search for Watergate, um, you find a lot of things, but the one that we're currently, one that we're currently watching is a CNN 
um, a miniseries of four episodes um, entitled Watergate Blueprint for a Scandal. And uh, actually, this was this was my wife's suggestion to watch, as as is most of the television we watch. But um, because, because she was she's a little bit younger than me, um, and so she didn't really know what was going on in the middle of you know Watergate. Whereas I have maybe more more distinct uh, memories, just because I was a little bit older um, when it was when it was happening. But it's but it's been fascinating to listen to. And it's a. Uh um watergate at watergate at 50 is that the oh no where yeah this it's called a watergate yes. blueprint for a scandal okay yeah, yeah, yeah and it's it features a lot of interviews with uh with john dean who was the white house counsel uh and, you know 30 year old lawyer white house counsel you know very you know gung-ho dedicated republican but also apparently uh had a conscience well, <laughs> and uh got in a little bit too deep and then uh turned turned whistleblower so he really yeah so it's been it's been really interesting to watch oh that's cool i watched um actually uh um well not i've not completed it but uh jack and i also over the last couple of weeks have been watching um an apple tv documentary or apple apple tv plus apple plus whatever mm-hmm. whatever it's called um called uh 1971 the year that music changed everything and uh, have you seen this have you viewed this? No. it came out a year ago so it's been around yeah may may 2021 and it's been in my um like in my viewing list and for whatever reason uh a couple of days ago i was like hey let's just go ahead and watch this and it's really only two of us the other two sam and danny are not into this at all mm-hmm. um but jack and i were were he again he's you know maybe maybe only 20 percent of his time he's on um his t- uh, as he's on tiktok and then but 80 percent of the time he's watching stuff and so this is a really fast it's not it's not a documentary that's just about the music which is kind of mm-hmm. what i thought it was about but it's about just sort of the social change that was happening oh, yeah. In, yeah. in 1971 and it starts sort of in 1968 um and um the vietnam war and um, you know, really the first episode starts off just talking about Kent state and the shootings at Kent yep. state. Yep. Um, so it's a, it, it's been, it's again, beautifully shot. Great storytelling has been really good to watch. I've, I've enjoyed it. And the things that are really interesting watching with my, my, you know, 14 year old kid about it is seeing some of the protests now that we're, that we're seeing for lots of different, you know, social change or maybe, I, I guess challenging to the progression that we've had and reeling back or not re- rewinding some of the the progress that we've made. Um, there, there were, you know, a lot of protests happening also in 1971 where it, just seeing those videos, it was really interesting to watch Jack's reaction and talk about it and about seeing some of the, um, you know, some of, some of the um, protests in, in, um, uh, and marching and and things that are happening now. So it's been you know, like we're, we're kind of having this conversation of like, do you think that the music that's going to be created now is going to be influenced by what's happening socially, and what will that look like in fifty years for us to read to 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 watch a documentary about it? Like, what are we 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 may not have even fully realized how things are are going to be played out in in um, uh, in, in you know in the um, in the artistic world. Interesting. So, so speaking, speaking of music and also of Kent state, 
This reminds me of a, a recent episode of uh, Chapo Trap House that I listened to where they interviewed uh, Jerry Casal. Uh, do you recognize that name, Jerry Casal? No, no. So he's one of the guys in Devo. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, um, and in fact, Devo, they started at Kent State. Like yeah. that's where the, the band started. And, and I, I sort of was familiar with them. They were starting to hit it big when I was in college. Um, but, uh, but they never quite appealed to me, but, but anyway, the interview, the interview with, uh, with Jerry Casal and we'll find a way to link to it. It's, uh, Google is giving me Apple podcasts link, which, which doesn't take me. Oh, no, no, it did. All right. So we can, we can link to this. So, yeah. So anyway, it's entitled, uh, de-evolution is real. Um, and it's a really nice talk. Um, it's worth, uh, it's worth listening if you, if you, if you're at all, you know, in that, you know, appreciate the lefty politics as well as. Yeah, just hearing about Devo and what was going on at that at that same time again, the, the time that we're talking about here in terms of, uh, yeah, in terms of the Watergate and all that I'll, stuff and music. I'll check that out. Um, there was um, a uh, Strong Songs episode mm -hmm. uh, that we we've talked about that podcast on on this podcast. Um, mm -hmm. uh, there there was all about cover songs yeah. and they. Um, uh, Kirk Hamilton talked about the probably the coolest cover song mm -hmm. uh, cover version of a song that I could think of is uh, Devo covering Satisfaction. Um, I can't get no satisfaction yep. by the Rolling Stones. So uh, we'll link to that in show notes too because it's it is like so like I I, I don't think I had heard that cover um, until somewhat recently, maybe in the last four or five years. And then having Kirk Hamilton just deconstruct it was really, really cool. Yeah. And the, the last time I listened to that cover was when they mentioned it on the Chapo interview. And I oh, no had to go out and listened to it. And it's like, oh, yes, I remember this. This is an amazing cover. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's um, it's so different from yes. any anything else that's that's out there. Um, cool. Well, and I'll we'll link to the strong songs. Um, oh, it's actually quite old. I think I only listened to it not so long ago, but it's a uh, mm. from 2020 uh, about Devo and ACDC. Oh, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's a different one I'm thinking of. Anyway, um, so there's a lot of like food safety things going on, too, dude, that I'm ready to like jump in. How are you? How are you feeling? Let's do it. Let's do it. OK, so um, I want to talk to you about, um, first of all, ice cream, big Olaf ice cream. <laughs> Not from frozen. This is like a serious, this is a big outbreak. So um, there, there's an outbreak uh, going on. Um, uh, uh, I, and I'll, I'll read, this is from today. Ice cream maker linked to Listeria outbreak. Two deaths won't issue recall report. Whoa. Um, yeah. So uh, CD, so I'll get back to that in a second, but let me, let me get to the, um, what we know about this, uh, about this outbreak, there are, um, I think it's 20, 23 illnesses. Hang on. Let me get the uh, big all off. Um, so, uh, 20, 23 illnesses, 22 hospitalizations, one death that was as of July 2nd, but it sounds like it's, it's potentially two deaths now across people in 10 States. Um, the, uh, uh, each of these illnesses have been linked to consumption of big Olaf creamery brand ice cream. Um, it is only sold in Florida, but how do people in 10 States get sick from big Olaf 
creamery brand ice cream. They go well, to Florida and they eat ice cream. Yeah. Right. Like uh, Florida's a, a big place for people to go. Um, and uh, there's a lot of, a lot of tourism. So uh, this is, um, you know, if we look at the investigation details on this, uh, public health officials continue to interview people about foods they ate in the month before they got sick. Of the 17 people interviewed, 14 reported eating ice cream. Among 13 people who remember details, six reported be eating big Olaf Creamery brand ice cream or eating ice cream at locations that might have been supplied by big Olaf Creamery. Um, the So here, and this is the nuance, uh, Florida Department of Health, CDC, um, have linked these illnesses as a result of the investigation. Big Olaf is voluntarily contacting retail locations to recommend against selling their ice cream products. Okay. Do you hear, hear the, the wording there, Don? Yeah, that's weird. That was right? some strange words you just used there. Yeah. So, so they're not recalling it. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just calling around and recommending don't, please don't sell this. Um, consumers who have big Olaf ice or Premier Brown ice cream at home should throw away any remaining product. But the um, the uh, article that I read or I read the headline to you, we'll we'll link to this in in show notes. Came out today. Um, again, headline is ice cream maker linked to listeria outbreak two deaths won't issue recall report. The Florida ice cream maker alleged this is from the New York Post. Uh, allegedly linked to the listeria outbreak has killed two and sickened dozens, has refused to issue a recall while officials investigate, according to a report. Florida Department of Health is leading the probe um, into the outbreak, uh, has advised consumers not to eat the 25-year-old family-run ice creams company. State agency also directed Big Olaf to suspend sales and production until further notice, but the company appears to be resisting. Agency spokesperson Jeremy Redfern told The Post, quote, they said they would start contacting their distributors, advising them not to sell the product. We expected them to do so, but judging by what we've heard reported in the media and what the company has posted on social media, it looks like they continue to ship and make the product. Weird, right? So here, here's Big Olaf did not immediately respond to requests from comment. Quote, for now, it's only speculation as it's an ongoing investigation. Our brand has not been confirmed to be linked to these cases. The company said in a July 3rd Facebook post, I am not sure why only Big Olaf is being mentioned and targeted, adding that, quote, nothing has been proven and that they have been cooperating with state and federal authorities. Um, ooh, not a, Boy. like, not really how you want to handle things. Yeah, well, and my guess is because I've never heard of Big Olaf. I mean, it's <laughs> Big Olaf is uh, apparently big, very big in Florida. I don't know much about the chain, but my suspicion is this is oh yeah, this is a twenty-five-year-old family-run uh, ice cream company, right? And so mm, maybe they don't have a food safety person. Maybe they don't really even understand listeria, right? So I, yeah, they probably think they're being targeted. Yeah, well, and. You know, we we've talked about this with other outbreaks, right? Like the the epidemiological link versus finding listeria in the product. Um, for those on the outside of the world of public health, it seems like, oh, how do you know it's it's us? And it's like, well, statistics are pointing your 
way, right? Like, like if yep. we, we don't have the, the proverbial smoking gun, but this, you know, when CDC gets involved and they're, they're linking these illnesses, uh, you know, they're, they're right or more than they're wronger. <laughs> right. And what was the, what was the statement um, that, that you, you read it early and I'm not seeing it sure. on the CDC page, but there's, Oh, the it's, statement from CDC yeah, was st- st- stating how many people ate what, what, and where. Yep. Yep. Let me go back and, and give you that information. Um, it is, uh, we, there are 23 illnesses, 17 of those have been interviewed, right? right. 14, which is 82% reported eating ice cream. Right. And okay. So among yep. the 13 people of those 14, yep. Yep. Um, remember details about the ice cream they ate six specifically said big Olaf creamery brand ice cream yep. or eating so, ice cream at locations that might have been supplied by big Olaf creamery. Yeah. So six is, you know, it's less than 50%, but it's, it's not zero and it is six people. So yeah. 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 And yeah, this is, yeah, it's, uh, and you know, I mean, ice cream, right. I mean, oh, I had ice cream. I don't remember where I ate or what kind right so right 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 boy that's this doesn't look good this doesn't look good for big i'm thinking i'm thinking uh big big olaf might be in trouble here yeah in the pocket of big olaf right that's Mm. uh um so i'm gonna read from oh geez wait looking their website yeah um our primary focus is to serve ice cream parlors senior homes restaurants fairs and supermarkets right right If I was an ice cream maker targeting, well, first of all, if I was an ice cream maker, I would not be targeting senior homes. Or if I did, I would sure be paying a whole lot of attention to listeria. I don't know if you know this, Ben. <laughs> Older people are more vulnerable. I've heard. I have, I have definitely, definitely heard that that is the case. Um, yeah. Uh, and and here's here's the thing. Like it's only, I don't know. It's only a matter of time before either this grows or the product, you know, get, gets linked directly that someone has it yep. in their, in their home. You know, they, they have, this is the thing, right? If you, again, look at their website, um, if, if you go to flavors, they offer pints, half gallons and two and a half gallon tubs. Um, so Don, you know, I get it if they think, oh, this problem happened 30 days ago and there's no possible way that there's any more of this in the marketplace or in people's homes. But the fact that they like, I don't know about you. I sometimes have ice cream in my home for some time. Um, you know, it's ice cream, man. It lasts a long time. Yeah. It lasts a long time. Unless you really like it, in which case you eat it right away. But I mean, it could, it could be in your freezer a long time. It could be at the back of the freezer. Mm. You don't even, you might not even know. Like it just seems like a good um, a good thing to, to be able to, um, to recall it. And they don't even have, like, I don't, I don't know if you see this, like I sent you the Instagram, but they don't even have mm-hmm. any, um, they don't have any information on their website about this outbreak. Yeah. I, I don't see it. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, um, the Instagram post, um, let me read, read, read from that. Cause it was alluded to in that, uh, New York, uh, uh, post article, but regarding the investigation for possible listeria contamination, for now, it's only speculation as an ongoing investigation. Our ban- brand has not been confirmed. I'm not sure why only Big Olaf is being mentioned and targeted. 
The original report we got from the Florida Department of Health on Friday, July 1st, was that there were 23 cases reported. The first one was January 2020, 2022. Six out of the 23 pa patients mentioned having consumed big Olaf um, ice cream, but nothing has been proven. Right. Like that's the, the yeah, because you know what people love to do when they talk to the CDC is lie about the kind of ice cream they've eaten. Right. But it's not been proven. We've been cooperating. Yeah. Yeah. I boy, I boy, these uh, these they're they're just they're screwing it up. Don they're screwing up big time. After this, like, and let me just give you the my 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 favorite statement we've talked about a lot. The last sentence is well, and I'm I'm gonna pre-see it down because it's a quite the run-on sentence. Um but um, the health and well-being of the public is our first priority. That's that's mm, it. Is it says, says it right there. Is it says it yeah, right there. Don. I think I think continuing to sell ice cream might be your biggest priority right now. Uh, yeah. Oh, th th there you go. There was a ding. Also, I don't think I can. Oh, I just liked it. I don't want to do that. I like that. Um, I cannot comment on it. They've they've disabled the comments, oh. um, on that particular link. Well, that's interesting. I, interesting. I surely would have commented. Right, right. Well, I would have, and I was really interested in the what the comments were too, because that's always <laughs> one, the other thing that we like to do on this uh, on this podcast. But I mean, here's the here's the thing, right? Um, ice cream and listeria, not the first time we've seen it. Um, in fact, not the first time we've seen. Um, deaths linked to it. This isn't a surprise. It shouldn't be a surprise to anybody in the ice cream world that this is that this is possible. And not being, I don't know, going down this path of nothing's been proven because only six people have said that they could remember that they ate our specific brand of ice cream. It doesn't make me feel good. It doesn't make me feel like they they know they are placing the um, health and safety of the public is their number one priority because you know what, what what's missing don what are they doing to see if there's listeria in their in their product right do they have any uh, like environmental sampling um how what have they looked for listeria as part of this investigation what are they doing with the product that they have in hand they don't say anything about that oh yeah yeah and 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 i mean fda could force them to do a recall i believe that is within their now because the yep. FISMA is within their statutory authority, I guess. I mean, there's a question. So it's a Florida ice cream company. Do they get their every all everything from Florida? They probably could get their milk from Florida. They may only sell in Florida. That, yeah. yeah, that'd be a good question, right? Is it is it interstate commerce or not? It's um, only it's interstate in commerce, then yeah. FDA clearly has jurisdiction and FDA could order a recall. Um, but uh well, and it does say, yeah. so I'll just say from CD, the CDC report, the Florida Department of Health, CDC, public health and regulatory officials in several other states and the U.S. Food and Drug Administration are collecting different types of data to investigate the multi-state outbreak of Listeria monocytogenes infections. Right, right. And no, that's the, that was the other point I wanted to, to make is that, I mean, FDA, let's hope FDA is in their facility or facilities right now. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, Sounds like they're they're doing they're doing certainly doing something, um, and he, they, you know I don't let's before we jump off of this I want you to take a look at the case count. Um, this actually looks quite a bit different, and I'm I'm going to find the same thing for Bluebell the the not the case count but the 
um, the uh, the epi curve. curve. Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, if we looked at Bluebell, there were um, a couple of uh, illnesses a long time before the, it was um, uh, identified. And then there was, and in fact, I've got it for comparison that you can look at right now, Don. Um, you know, it, it, it that that outbreak went back, like the first illness was in 2010. Then there was a couple in 2011. There was one in 2012, a couple in 2014. And then a spike of three illnesses in October, 2015, or no, uh, sorry, October, 2014. And then another illness in two, January, 2015. It actually looks quite a bit different from the epi curve for, um, uh, for the, for this, for big Olaf, where, yeah, there were a couple back in January, 2021, but gosh, there are three cases a month, January, February, March, April jumped up to four, May down to one, and then two in, um, in June. It, it seems like whatever has been happening, might have not been happening as far back, but also there's a, there's a lot more happening in more recent months. Yeah, Which is different. my yeah, my my speculation. So what what I think happened, and and I, you know I think there's some support for this, at least you know not outside of FDA, is that what happened with Bluebell is they sold to hospitals, and then hospitals used that Bluebell ice cream to make milkshakes, and it was really in the hospital in the milkshake mixers that were not being properly cleaned that led to accumulation of significant level, levels of listeria. And one thing we know, we've talked about on the podcast before, but I'll, I'll re-mention, re reiterate here is that listeria is not a low dose pathogen, right? So even if you are immunocompromised, even if you are elderly, typically to get a significant probability of illness, you really need to ingest a pretty high dose, millions of, in, on the order of millions of cells, right? It's not like salmonella, it's not like pathogenic E. coli in that, in that sense. And so if you look at the epi curve for um, uh, for Bluebell, you know, that could be, okay, well, so we got ice cream going out to hospitals and then you got sick people in hospitals eating milkshakes, right? Because if you're on chemotherapy, um, you know, they want to keep your calories up. So ice cream or uh, milkshakes are a good thing to eat because it's, you know, you, you can eat it and you can get the, get the calories you need. I suspect what's, what again, and we may, may, may know, we may never know. I suspect what's going on at Blue, uh, at uh, uh, Big Olaf is that we have a systemic problem in the plant. We have something that's not being cleaned, something that is a product contact surface or some a filler or something that has become colonized with listeria and is is generating uh, uh, for portions of batches is is generating servings of ice creams that are that are relatively highly contaminated, right? So something happened starting in January 2021, and then um, it's just building, right? And so there is, I think there, that there my, get my hope and perhaps my guess is that there will be a smoking gun when they get into that plant and they and they investigate. Uh, but again, what, more, more details to come most assuredly, if not from Big Olaf, I suspect from FDA. Yeah, oh man. Oh, Don, there's a lot here. I just sent you a link to the Big Olaf Creamery St. Armand Circle Facebook page. Mm -hmm. um, I'm mostly off of Facebook. I'm only on it for my work now. Um, and and this is the one of the times I I, I open it up. Uh, so real time, I guess real time follow up. Ooh, As yes. of today, 
yeah, for the safety yeah. and concern of all of our customers, we've decided to temporary dis- temporarily discontinue the selling of Big Olaf brand ice cream and to purchase and sell the Sutter's Southern Creamery brand ice cream that is made locally in Sarasota. This company has no connection with Big Olaf Creamery, and we're confident in the safety and quality of this product. Um, the uh, there are some co- like the comments are are fa- like fascinating to me, right? Glad y'all are keeping it going while waiting through the muck of this outbreak that you might not, that might not even be linked to you guys. Sorry, y'all are going through this. We'll see you in three weeks or congrats and a good business move. Like the, the um, tone deafness, I guess, is some of this, right? Like we've got, we have an outbreak that if it is linked to them and it's like, if it is, so let me go back. It is linked to them. CDC is linked to them. Um, epidemiologically, this is, this is linked to them. It's a, there's, you know, like two people died, right? Like it's, it's a, not a congrats and good business move. Yeah. Yeah. But here's like, here's more of the, the fun, um, the, you know, uh, Florida department of health content. This is from July 5th, uh, another post Florida department of health contacted the media about three days before they even reached out to us on Friday. We don't understand why they waited until Friday afternoon to contact us. This being such it always serious... happens on Friday afternoon. Right, right. The misinformation by the media has caused the production of most of their customers to get harassed and threatened. It's very sad and unfair. We passed almost every inspection with 100% and nothing has ever been proven. So we feel targeted. We still haven't heard about what the other 17 patients had to say or what they consumed, what it may cause them to get sick. They aren't even mentioning those. We're very confused uh, because the Florida Department of Health still not even come to investigate. We've not heard from them. We've been waiting all weekend. And I think that this is like a retail spot, right? Like they're not talking about the 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 inspection or not the inspection, the production of this, I think, because it's all like, if you look at their website, it's like, there's a bunch of places that are their retail spot, like uh, outlets. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and there's a lot of... Um... You know, there's a lot to not like in that message, but the one question that what what is very what is puzzling to me, and we maybe we can get find somebody from Florida Department of Health, but about the contacting the media three days before. Right, right. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure what like what that is, or is it that they contacted the media three days before, and, and then the epidemiological information came came through afterwards and that um you know when we saw and i guess contacting the media three days before but if i look at the cdc post that was on july um on friday july 2nd so yeah i don't know the timeline's really interesting but the you know as as is the you know the 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 word on the internet is don't read the comments and don i'm just telling you don't read the comments because it, it goes from things like they're targeting conservative businesses. conservative businesses. Yeah. It's despicable. We see right through it. The damage that they're causing. This is crazy. They can bloody someone's reputation with, with no proof of testing, just hearsay, get yourselves a good lawyer and sue their pants off. What's going on here to, you know, you know, who's probably got themselves a good lawyer, Ben. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The people made sick by the ice cream. Right. <laughs> so good luck with that. Yeah. Good, good luck. Sue, sue the pants off uh, whoever you want there. Or Mar- Marla's coming for you. <laughs> like, but it gets, I mean, here's the thing, Don, it gets ridiculous. Someone, someone writes, close your funky ass down. Um, and then they, <laughs> the illness, 
but then it gets like people are like go and it's all like a a political rant afterwards you know it's all own the libs slurp up the listeria it's so bizarre it, i don't know I don't there's know somebody here that's posted pictures of just cars and right anyway it's uh there's a lot happening on the facebook yeah facebook man uh so um hey guess uh oh big all off creamery of siesta they were closed until further notice oh guess who else is posting on facebook about big Olaf? our friend bill marler <laughs> what a surprise what a surprise that's a yeah never didn't see that that coming what anyway gosh what a what an interesting situation there um you know, so what I always like to do, Ben, is I like to get legal advice from people on Facebook. Me too. Me, me too. Oh, oh yeah. God. Get yourself lawyer up. Yep. Yeah. Oh, lawyer gosh. up. Sue their pants off. Uh, where is? Oh yeah. See, they all have like there's there's a whole bunch of different Big Olaf Creamery Lakewood Ranch. Like they all have their oh, own interesting separate. Oh yeah. Okay. Like, oh interesting. Retail okay. site. So, uh, yeah okay so i don't know if they're all like if you look they're kind of all linked on the big olaf page it's it's, it's even hard to figure out who's who, who owns what here because they've got their partners where you can find like saint armand's is the one that we found they're listed on mm -hmm. there right that but they're th these are big olaf licensed stores i think right right mm. um anyway yeah, uh, we need to understand more about their business model. You know, they have these creameries, they have um, a production facility, which it seems, it almost seems like, did, did it even imply it's, uh, yeah, ice cream is made in hand freezers, creamery direct delivery. I'm just wondering if that, if now local ice cream is made at a local creamery near Sarasota's Amish village off uh, village of Pinecraft. So I'm just wondering you know, I was wondering maybe they didn't even make it. They just they just were like franchisees, right? And somebody else was making it. But no, it does look like they have a. Yeah, it's it's confusing, right? It is. Looks like it's on Cattleman. I'm gonna find it. Cattleman Road, Unit 123. Maybe that's just oh, wow, their they headquarters. Got a, they got a bunch of stores, right? So, um, a oh. licensed store or a featured store. There's business opportunities, Ben. Mm. Wonder if the if they're looking for oh I can't even find oh no there you go I found uh let's I, I just did some Google sleuthing um yeah I don't, I don't know it's currently not it's currently not for sale oh this looks it's like someone's house so that must be the owners oh my gosh let's not even go too much into this um anyway who knows where their actual creamery is that's what i yeah. wasn't able yeah. to find yeah well the, the address on the website is cattleman road but th that's not yeah but that's the creamery right 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 yeah unit 123 uh, who knows um okay so i want to talk about something else that's mm -hmm. the that's the other i think topic of the week um because i i know I, don i know you've been I, I hear things about you do you know that <laughs> you know i hear things from people that that talk to you Hmm. so I'm, so you now i'm uh i'm a little nervous ben no no it's good it's good okay you and i both spoke with um uh the same um uh uh the journalist yep. from the uh, los angeles times we will often do that yes we do yeah um and so this it was a really interesting so 
Um, let me, her name is Lori something. Um, let's see if I can find it. Times, 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 times. Um, anyway, I guess maybe it's not super important, but I do want to give her a shout out because I thought she was, we had a really great conversation. Oh, same, same. Um, where, when would this have been? Laura Nelson from the LA Times. So Laura, Laura called, we, we talked, um, I was on my way to lacrosse practice. Um, <laughs> and it's as, yep. And it is like one of my favorite places to do, like I get, I get a, I get in the call or I get in the call, I get in the car. I try to schedule, um, media interviews for when I'm going to be in the car. Hmm. Um, cause I don't like, I don't often need my computer in front of me. I'm, I'm paying attention to the road with a lot of my, my focus, but I'm having a nice conversation with somebody. Mm-hmm. And, um, and this time it happened to be when I also had my kid in the car as we were driving <laughs> to lacrosse practice. Mm-hmm. And he, um, when Laura called, he's like, who's calling? And it shows like Los Angeles times. And I was like, it's the Los Angeles times. And he's like, what you're famous. And I was like, eh. no, like every once in a while you get to talk to <laughs> it's all in the day. Some, yeah. It's all in the day. So anyway, I had a really great conversation, um, with, with Laura, she's doing, um, some work, uh, looking at uh, daily harvest and mm-hmm. meal kit companies. And we talked and talked and talked about, you know, her questions revolved around who regulates a meal kit company. And I kind of, you know, my, my answer, and this is something that I know we've talked about on this, on this podcast, but I want to revisit it is what do you mean by meal kit company? Right. And like, what do you mean by regulated? What, yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> once what do you, once yeah. you define those, those three terms for me, or those two terms, I can answer your question. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, but like daily harvest is a really different meal kit company than Publix. And, you know, would you consider Publix to be a meal kit company, Don, like at no. the grocery store? No, they're no. a grocery store. But I can walk into my Publix and get a meal kit that exists right there and they can deliver it to me if I want it. Like they, there are multiple traditional retailers that are in the meal kit business now. Right, right. And and so when you, when, when, when you get asked the question of like, well, who regulates them? It's like, well, it kind of depends what they're making, how they're making it, if they're just aggregating it and all putting it together, if they're actually manufacturing or, you know, putting it into their own branded bags, or if they're buying those branded bags and just sending them all to a web, um, a warehouse, and that someone's just placing them in a box, it all matters on who regulates them. And Laura's answer is like, mind blown. I, I, that's crazy, right? Like that, that is, it's just wild to think about that. It's not about what I get at home, but it's about where it came from and who handles it on who regulates it. And, and so we, anyway, we talked for like, I don't know, 45 minutes about this. Mm -hmm. Um, And then she, she wanted to talk about um, specifically daily harvest on who regulates, who regulates them. And how, and, and I told her, it's like, it's pretty, to me, it's a little bit unclear right now because I don't know, like, I, I know a little bit about it, but for the products, if they're co if they're co-packed somewhere else and that they are just coming in, in their branded bags, or if they're actually manufacturing it and, and it could be, a variety of different regulators that that are handling that, whether it's you know a local, not a local health department, likely, but it could be a state um, department of agriculture, department of health, or food protection branch individual. FDA could be involved. FSIS can be involved. Not so much with Daily Harvest because they're um, uh, a, you know a, a vegan meal kit company, but you know it depends on on who it is and what they're making and how they're holding it. And 
Um, and so anyway, we talked, we talked quite a bit about that, but she asked me a question on whether I thought that FD and I'll, I'll paraphrase it, but here's the gist. Did I think that FDA could have done more to prevent these illnesses? She didn't ask specifically about daily harvest, doing anything to prevent these illnesses, but how, you know, you, I know you talked to her. Did she ask you a similar question? And if so, how did you answer? And if not answer my question, could, do you think the FDA could have quote done more to prevent this? I don't remember whether she asked me the question or not, but I, but I think my answer, if, if I had been asked the question, my, my, my answer would have been, I don't think so, because it seems like what's going on here is some sort of an accidental um, ingredient. Um, <laughs> There's a lot, a lot of sounds ingredient. going on. Well, I thought the smoke detectors were on a 10 minute cycle. And so I, oh, I, so we're giving tried, that... I tried setting a timer to see, but um, yeah. I'm leaving this in. Is, this is good. I think my wife is working on troubleshooting it. So <laughs> it's um, fine. I, I hey. can work on it later, but now I've got a podcast. So it's in the show. Um, if it's in the show, it's in the show. Yeah, do you want, yeah. do you want to, um, do you so, want to pause? No, no, it's fine. Okay. Um, so uh, and the house, the, the house is not actually on fire. So it's good, good, that's the good. most important thing. That is. Um, so, so remind me. So what's the question? So what's again? the question? The question is, do we think that FDA could have done more to prevent these illnesses? Right. And, and you I said, I, yeah, I think the answer is no. I'm not sure the FDA could have done more because I think this is an accidental ingredient substitution. I think this is not obviously daily harvest did not intend for this to happen, but this is something that um, either they they handled something wrong or they sourced something wrong, or maybe it's because of supply chain disruption. They sourced, and you know, uh, again, it's probably some anti-nutritive factor, right? That that is in a product that maybe was at a higher level, or they're again they're using some sort of legume instead of some sort of other legume, and it's the species is different or the genus is different, and something, something, right? I mean, it's a, I don't mean to belittle it and think it's not a serious problem. It's an absolutely deadly serious problem. And people have, you know, had a lot of really, really serious health consequences, but I'm not sure what FDA would have done, right? I mean, FDA comes into a facility, if, if FDA regulates them, they come in once a year and they do an inspection. So I think this is incumbent upon the company to have prevented this problem from happening. And there's still, I think a lot that we're learning about it. Yeah. And so I, I'm with you 100%. I, I think that this isn't a regulatory illness situation. Right. Um, it's not a regulatory failure. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. That That's thank you. I, I don't know why I said it the way I did. Yeah. It's not a regulatory failure. I think the fact that it's complicated, like there's a complicated regulatory world around this doesn't mean that this is slipping through the cracks of the regulatory world for me. Like, I think that there are lots of people that are looking at like all of these issues within different jurisdictions. And one of the things that Laura asked me, she's like, you know, I, I can't get my hands on like specific times that FDA has gone into, you know, meal kit X's site to, to inspect them. And it's like, yeah, because you might have a situation where those inspections are actually happening at the state level and it might be an FDA like commissioned person, but it doesn't go into FDA's database. Um, and, and so there, like what, what the conversation for Laura and I really revolved around was just that, that she, she, she was asking questions about lack of transparency about how things are regulated. 
And, and in this case, I think it's like, well, there's, it's just really complex. And you and I, and, and so many others of our colleagues live this stuff every day. It's kind of like second nature of how do you navigate this system? But for someone who's not in this world all the time, it does look like, where would I even start to figure this out? If I wanted more information about, you know, Blue Apron or Daily Harvest or, um, you know, HelloFresh, how they're getting my food, where is it coming from? Who's manufacturing it? What are they doing? It's really, and how, like, how, how, how did their last inspection go? can't get my hands on any of that information just from, from the outside, but okay. So something else came up, um, with, with this. Um, okay. Yeah. So did you see Bill's post about, um, revive superfoods? Okay. So he, let me, let me find the actual, um, post on this. Yeah. So, so the, the most recent post and I have it up right now is, um, entitled Tara is back on ingredient list at revive question mark. And so, yeah. yeah, Bill, Bill has been doing a lot of work behind the scenes. Well, he's representing these people. Right. And he's been doing a lot of work, um, trying to get samples tested and figure out what's going on, figure out what the, which, which potentially problematic ingredient it is. Um, uh, but yeah, so, and then you just sent me a, a, I think a different link that yeah. predates the one that I'm looking at now. There's two, yeah, there's two, there's sort of two that, that have popped up here. And so it, it seems like there's this other product that's been out there linked to gastrointestinal right. illnesses. Um, and, and, you know, to Bill's reporting here, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, similar acute symptoms of normal liver enzymes, um, gallbladder involvement, um, you know, multiple blood tests, you know, liver related. And he said the common ingredient in daily harvest outbreak is, is something called Terra. Terra is a pro a plant derived protein. Um, and, and so I, this, you know, so I had another conversation, I, I don't know with, um, yesterday with another journalist about this, who was like, first of all, have you seen Reddit? And I said, yes, I had. Um, you know, as it relates to this, what do you know about Terra protein? I said really very little. And, you know, her, her, the, the journalist asked, like, do you, first of all, do you think these two things are linked? What could be causing the illnesses? And what do you know about like Terra being used, um, in the past? And I was like, well, Terra, I, I dug around a little bit on this and it's been used in, um, you know, I, I, I like, I read something from, you know, like a couple of um, uh, trade magazines going back to like 2019. And uh, so a link to one of these, one from candyindustry.com, which is the candy industry's um, trade, uh, uh, trade association or not tra trade industry magazine. What is plant-based terra protein? It's a um, leguminous plant produces pea style pods containing seeds that can be used in food manufacturing. Um, the, uh, it goes, it's, it's Peruvian, like it goes back to um, Incas in Peru, a lot of uh, use for that. Um, some of these include using it for skin irritations and throat aches, um, but it's a nutty flavor with a smooth texture. And it's got a lot of, um, uh, you like, it's a high protein. Um, so Gosh, like, so has it been used for a lot, a lot? Yes. So the, the conversation that I got into yesterday was the journalist was thinking about like, it, it's the, it's a novel protein, right? Like that we, we've not heard about it. These two, th these two ingredients are in these products. Maybe this is the source 
of the illness. And maybe it is, but it also could be some, you know, going back to what we have talked about in the past as it related to daily harvest, um, maybe we're looking at aflatoxins that are in this Terra protein, because certainly a lot of the symptoms look very familiar to some, some aflatoxin issues like liver impacting the liver is something that we've seen with, with some specific types of aflatoxin. So, so I talked about like, do we even know whether the Terra source is the same across the two companies or not? Um, and, and so maybe it's not a, maybe it's not a protein issue. Maybe it's a contamination issue, or maybe it is a protein issue, whatever. I, I, like there's a lot of unknowns about this, but what I thought was also kind of interesting is, um, that revive organics, like this is the same company, right? Revive superfoods. They had a recall for, um, norovirus in, in raspberries. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Back, I, th- I mean, I think this is the same company. Maybe, maybe I'm getting it all mixed up. But, and this is why it's difficult. Like revive smoothies, revive, revive superfoods. I feel like they're the same. Hmm. I mean, I think you're right. It. Yeah, it's the same package. Yeah, I think you're yeah. right. Um, yeah, well, frozen clearly they're being targeted. Then they're being targeted too. So they've had a recall for norovirus, but also mm-hmm. they like apparently there's Terra Terra in some of their products, there's been Reddit really like, and here's where it actually all comes back to some of the conversations we've had multiple times over lucky charms, you know, the revive might be linked in here. Maybe there is actually a norovirus outbreak associated with their products and they just happen to have a common ingredient and it's, but, but I don't know how to, how that explains the liver issues um that that bill's also reporting but i haven't yeah seen no I, I think i think they're yeah. they're they're not related i think the aplatoxin angle actually that you mentioned was was interesting because i didn't think it was microbiological and and so you know mostly what we're worried about with aflatoxin exposure in humans is chronic um yeah. right and so it's a long-term elevated risk of liver cancer and things like that it's pretty unusual for humans to get acute aflatoxin poisoning, right? Which is what this certainly looks like. It's, I think it's less unusual for animals too, because again, for domestically raised animals, you know, they just eat whatever you put in front of them and, you know, they'll eat it even if it's moldy. I, I, what I, the, the only reason that makes me doubt that it's aflatoxin is that people, it, it would, it would probably, if it, if it had high levels of aflatoxin high enough to cause that kind of problem, um, I would think that it would look or smell moldy. Right. And that's, yeah. that's, that's, I mean, I could be wrong. I mean, absolutely. I could be wrong with that, but that's, but we don't t- tend to see acute aflatoxin issues with humans, but the good news is, is that aflatoxin is relatively easy to test for. So I'm sure if that's an angle that, that, you know, Bill's thinking about it and that's what he's testing some of the samples for. Right, um, right. But I, I, my gut tells me it's not, I, I still want to say what it is, is that maybe if it is the Terra, it was something that actually just was confused with Terra, right? Mm. And, it, and it, or it's a related thing that was grown accidentally or, you know, something, something, and uh, it's not really Terra, but it's something with a, a some sort of anti-nutritional uh, factor that um, actually you know, is causing these acute illnesses, which, which that might be a lot harder to figure out in terms of analytical chemistry. If it's aflatoxin or if it's a common mycotoxin, it's, it's, it's straightforward to find it. Right. 
Um, but yeah, this is, this is, this is a head scratcher, but there's a lot, yeah, we we have a lot of people sick and, uh, yeah, something I I gotta, I gotta hope it, I mean, lucky charms, I guess I was, I was chatting with, um, via, uh, message, Facebook messenger with, uh, Rob Schufelt, you know, yeah, Rob. Yeah. Yeah. So Rob was asking me, he just happened to message me around lunchtime and he was asking my opinion on, on both, uh, the, this, uh, daily harvest thing, as well as the, um, um, uh, Lucky Charms thing, and I'm I'm not sure we'll ever figure out what's going on with Lucky Charms, but I'm a lot more confident just because of the, the 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 magnitude of this issue uh, that we will find out what's going on with Daily Harvest. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Well, and so I, I want to come back to something you said about sort of the moldy kind of taster or mm-hmm. um, or, or texture. And what's really interesting about these products is that they're heavily flavored type things. Like if you look mm-hmm. at like it's um, it's, you know, b- very strong berry flavors, raspberry, cherry, blueberry, banana, um, ben- you know, the, uh, the, there's a, um, one of the smoothies, which sounds really actually kind of interesting. I don't know if you would enjoy this, but I would like to try it is something called guajillo tortilla, which is a classic tortilla soup featuring red pepper, onions, and tomatoes. I think that's a, like a smoothie, like, uh, flavor. I don't know. Um, but like, there's a lot of different, um, like different, there's a lot of flavors in these products, and the same thing with Daily Harvest. If you think about the lentil um, crunch, it, there, there's a lot of spices. So I wonder if that has the potential to mask that moldy flavor that might have been picked up if it was something more just like a basic grain or flour, um, like we've seen in the past. Yeah, it's a it's a good question. Hey, so I just put something in the Zoom chat. Oh, okay. Um, this this is uh, it's just old. This is from July first. Yeah. Uh, but it's 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 from the Daily Harvest webpage, which unlike um, Big Olaf actually um, has a page that t- talks about it, right? And it's linked on their main page. I would I, I want to get your. I'm gonna. I'm springing mm-hmm. this on you all of a sudden. Uh, this is uh, welcome to uh, lentil plus leek uh, ABC CDF. <laughs> Oh, yeah, see, yeah. Uh, uh, rate the uh, rate the quality of this uh, risk messaging. So I'm again, I'm springing this on you all of a sudden. What do you think of this message from from Rachel? Um, okay, so let me go through some of this because it's a, this is an interesting one. Updates on our voluntary recall of French lentil plus leek crumbles. Rachel here. I want to give you another update on our recall. As you know, we've been conducting exhaustive testing over the course of the last two weeks. Despite this, we still have not identified possible cause. I'm sorry that it's taking long to pinpoint exactly what may have made people sick. We're deeply, so right here, we're at least acknowledging that there's illnesses again. Yep. Right. Yep. Deeply committed to finding answers for those impacted. We're work, what we're working with top doctors, microbiologists, toxicologists, as well as three independent labs. Um, okay. While additional tending is underway, results to date rule out the following okay. hepatitis A, norovirus, a range of mycotoxins, including aflatoxins. Foodborne pathogens, including Listeria, E, capital C, coli. E, E, no space, capital C, coli, yes. Staphylococcus aureus, staph, B, serious. Aureus is capitalized. Uh, B, serious, no space, capital C. Clostridium species, yeah. Major allergens. None of these are italicized, but it's okay. (laughs) I assure you, we will not stop until we get the bottom of this. We're continuing to work in close cooperation with FDA, CDC, and other health agencies. FDA released an update on their investigation. Uh, we'll share more when there's, um, you know, uh, more information. Um, and then, you know, basically the FDA just said that they are, a fist, you know, like actually investigating. There was a recall. 
um and uh you know they're they just give a little more more update on yeah on that oh, um and, but you know one one thing marler and it's in this message as well uh do not eat and discard it right is the is the message from daily harvest and marler's like no do not eat and send it to me send it to me exactly yeah 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 yep which well is, and, yeah which is you know i mean and whatever i mean i i mean my, my i'll tell i'll give you my opinion ben i think this is not a bad message i mean the microbiological typos aside yeah. i mean it's not a bad message like it, it the, the first paragraph is really good it, yeah it it, it it says something going on and we're we're working to find it and here's we're, we're talking to doctors microbiologists toxicologists and three independent labs um here's what we've ruled out so i i mean i i, I think this is a pretty good message so i think it's good too yeah. i i i would the the only thing I would take exception with is the statement of while additional testing is underway, results to date rule out the following, right? Rule out results to date. It's I'm, a little I'm too worried. emphatic. Yes, yeah. yes. It's like we we've not we we've been looking really hard for these and we're not finding anything. Right. And my guess right. is, you know, and you you can guess with me, right? If we're if we're mm-hmm. doing a new segment called um, guess the independent laboratory. <laughs> um, my guess is one of the independent laboratories that they are using, one of the three, are, are screening products for a whole bunch of different um, DNA and RNA uh, strands for um, lots of different pathogens, right? That they are looking for, you know, HEPA, norovirus with primers, and then a whole bunch of stuff for, for these foodborne pathogens. Um, and, and they're probably also looking for the live culture uh, or being able to um, you know, viable, viable viruses, but, but I, I, it's a little too emphatic for me thinking about who I, who I, I'm guessing that's involved in this. Yeah. Because, you could, yeah, yeah. Maybe rephrase it as while additional testing is underway, uh, current results to date appear to rule out. Yes. Something yeah. like that. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Agreed on that. Um, so yeah, this is like, I do like some of their, their messaging of we're working. This goes back to the 20 June 27th update. We're working 24 hours a day, seven days a week on this. You deserve answers. We spent spent past 10 days working with FDA, state agencies, multiple independent labs, experts in, you know, tests co- cover common foodborne pathogen, toxins, allergens, results have thus far come back negative. Um, despite consulting with numerous experts, we're, look, we're looking, we assure you the issue is linked to this product, not our other ones. I mean, there's, there are some good, good messages um, in here and, and, you know, you and I, like, this is, I want to know more, right? Like you, you and I want to know more. I, not probably not everybody wants to know more. Like this is just enough to get to win um, when, uh, when, when they're sharing with, with consumers. But I want to know, like, how are you, like, what are you doing to look for all this stuff? Like, I trust, I trust that they're working with really good people, but I want to know how many samples did they take? Um, what are the, what do the results look like for this? Yeah, um, where, where did the samples come from, right? Yeah. Are the samples production samples? Are they recalled samples? Are they samples from people that got sick? Probably not because Marler has those, right? Right. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I mean, but that's, but I mean that you wouldn't, I, I we all want of those that. things would be really good to know, but I doesn't surprise me that they're not sharing yeah. that. Right. Yep. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, the last thing before we move off of this, um, I, I sent you a link to include in the show notes, um, just talking about like, I, I knew that this was something um, that uh, we'd seen before from other case reports, just about aflatoxins and liver cirrhosis. But there was a meta, um, as I was doing some digging on this, 
um, a couple of weeks ago, I discovered this uh, meta-analysis of um, a, a number of studies. Um, and it's really, it's five, um, but really basically show that aflatoxin exposure is associated with a higher risk of liver cirrhosis in, um, you know, in, in the published literature. So it's, it's kind of like, this is, wasn't the, you, you know, you mentioned the sort of long-term, um, aspects. This, this was one of the, you know, one of the things that I looked at, I was like, oh yeah, we, we may actually be looking at, um, an aflatoxin situation here, even though no one seems to be able to find it. And I would even bet that aflatoxins are somewhat transient within the supply chain, right? Like they're probably not residential. Um, so even the testing of everything that's happened now with the French lentil and leek crumbles doesn't really tell us what it looked like a month or two months ago. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And I, I gotta, I gotta say based on how it looks, you know, it's just some, they got a bad, they got a bad batch of something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it might be them and uh, revive got a bad batch of Terra. Um, yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it, yeah. It, yeah. I mean, yeah. And it's so, but it's so interesting, right? Like this, you know, food safety by Reddit. Um, right. And, and Marler talked about this, I think in one of his posts, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of, it's sort of like lucky charms and I was poisoned. Right. It's like, yeah, you know, I mean, these are social media entities that are finding these problems. They, and it was, it really was Reddit that found this, right. Yep. This yep. is not, this is not any legwork on the part of FDA or, you know, well, which I guess, you know, again, CDC and FDA, in terms of our world, they're tuned to finding, they're, they're tuned to infectious diseases, right, where you can sequence the, the, the agent, and then you can match that, and then you do traditional epidemiology. Whereas I don't know to what extent, you know, if people, I mean, people, I, I would be very curious, like, what's sort of the what do you like the people are presenting at the hospital with these liver symptoms, right? How common is that? Like a lot right. of these people have had their gallbladders out, which apparently is a thing that happens to people. Like all of a sudden you needed your gallbladder out, but I'm, uh, I'm really interested in like now, now just because of this, like what's sort of the baseline level of people that present at the, the emergency department with these kind of symptoms. Right. And is this, is this something that is it, is there a way to tune the public health system to pick up on this? Or is this just the sort of thing that we'll never be able to pick up because there's just so, I mean, I've got to believe, I've got to believe that the, the number of people implicated here, that if you looked at it in the right way, this would be a spike. But again, yes. I don't know what the baseline is to know, to know if it's a spike, but it sure sounds like a whole lot of sick people from something that doesn't seem like it's that common. Yeah. Yeah. And in the, you know, the, the public health, system and infrastructure, um, just big jumps that we've had in the last 20 years of being able to connect information from, you know, case cases at, at hospitals or in just even at a primary care doctor, um, that, that jump was, is even magnified when, when those same people go to social media and start interacting with each other, right? Like that's where, what we're seeing, right. um, with, with Reddit, which is really like, Awesome. I mean, not obviously not awesome that we're having the illnesses, but that's the, I don't know, like that, that's progressing things. And I think, I mean, we talked about this, I think in the last episode, I think there's some traditional epidemiology folks that get really um, creeped out by that. They don't like that, 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 that it's outside of 
the the normal traditional way that we've done things in the past. But I'm very excited by it, even though the noise to um, signal the noise ratio is messy and it might add more work for people. Like, does does this do these illnesses get mentioned or even talked about today for, with us without Reddit? I don't know, right? Like, what? How how would these have ever been linked together? Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, again, it would be good to have to have an epidemiologist, you know, especially yeah. one who's a toxic who who interacts with toxicologists. But no, you you pretty much. You know, you've got to have you've got to have a, a concentration of people. Like now, you could you could say, well, okay, maybe if a bunch of people went to a restaurant that was serving daily harvest, right, and got it. But because this is mail order, and people are eating this in their homes, um, and I wonder, I wonder if it's you know, if, is it people living alone? If you're living with a partner or with a family, maybe it's just one of you who's eating this weird healthy food, right, right. right. Um, like what would you need in terms of an epidemiology? It's like it's like it's like botulism, right? Like if one person goes to the hospital with botulism symptoms, they'll probably misdiagnose it as a stroke. If two people from the same family go, well, all right, now it's starting to look like something because we know that strokes don't cluster, right? And the same same thing with this this sort of presentation. Like what would be a scenario? You know, if it was, uh, yeah, what would be a scenario that would cause multiple people from a family or from a, a social gathering to all present with these symptoms, right? I mean, you could, so you could sort of imagine a scenario where that might happen, but um, it seems like obviously in this case, people just sort of getting together on Reddit has, has actually, um, yeah, done, done essentially that same thing. Like here's, here's people who are all interested in a thing, right? eating this healthy food, um, coming together and talking about it. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we should do more of this, not less. Oh right? yeah. Oh, like for that, sure. Yeah. Um, okay. I got, I got two, I got two other things. Maybe, maybe it's actually three things I want you to look, okay. to look at. So it's always three things with you. It's always three things with me. So the first is I came across this cause I was reading something. Um, and it, it's, it's an interesting website. Um, I'm putting the link in. I didn't want to tell you what it was until I, you know, gave it to you. Um, oh. But but it is a website called DoesItGoBad.com. Okay. So this is um, what. Welcome to DoesItGoBad.com. Your shelf life and food storage reference. Here's what oh. we're all about. Tells you about. Um, you know, some products come with best by dates, use by dates, spoilage, storage, a whole bunch of different things. Um, but they, they give pictures, uh, of, of stuff. It, the, I have no idea. I mean, I, I spent a bunch of time sort of looking at this. If you go to contact, it's not really easy to figure out who does this. Um, uh, other than like, I mean, sort of the background it's a, it's a, um, a, a person named Marchin uh, Skier Peach. Um, it says, Hey, my name is Marchin. I run the show here. I hate wasting food. And after seeing all around me, I wanted to do something about it. That's why I decided to build, does it go bad? So there's a library of articles about food storage, um, uh, about it. What's my, what are my credentials? And this is the, the, like the thing that I thought was really interesting. And when I said, it's hard to figure out who puts like the, it's hard to figure out the, the technology behind some of this. What are my credentials? I'm not a doctor or a food scientist and I don't play one online. I have a master's degree in computer science. I know it's not particularly related to the info that I share over here. 
But getting that degree helped me become pretty decent at researching and compiling information. And that's what I do here. Besides, I don't think you need a degree in food science to write about how to handle or cook food or handle food or cook. Chances are you don't have one either and you're storing cooking food every day. So what I'm doing here is providing helpful tips so you can make the most out of what you've bought or grown without worrying about it, um, that it spoils. I do that because too many people go with the dates printed on labels. More often than not, it's not an optimal way to go about food storage. So there are a bunch of pictures, um, videos, he stays on topic. He, he kind of goes through the, the whole the whole process. But I wanted to just go through this website with you. I have not spent a lot of time here other than I put it away and said, okay, hmm. let's let's see if we agree. And if there's anything that, that we think is is wrong here or like anything that we would think differently about. So, um, you know, there's some dairy, there's dips and sauces, there's drinks like almond milk, there's citrus, there's macaroni salad lasting in the fridge. Um, there's hummus. Where, where do you want to go? Cause I want to do this together. There's gummy sure. bears. Well, my, yeah. <laughs> so my, there's my proteins. first advice, my first advice for Morrison um, and you know, <clears throat> with, with, with all due respect, dude, one word it's Squarespace. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> this is, this is, this is a, it's not an ugly website, but dude, just get yourself some Squarespace. It will improve your game significantly. Um, that's, that's just my design comment. So, um, but yeah, let's, uh, you know, how about, how about how long does macaroni salad last in the All fridge? Right, let's go right there. Yep. Let's go to macaroni salad. That's, from, that's, that's, that's new information. That's from July 5th. Yeah, this is, this is brand new. I'm not, I've not looked at this. So here's all you need to know about shelf life. I made a big bowl of macaroni salad. made a big bowl of macaroni salad. Worried you won't finish it before it goes bad. How long is it good for? Um, note, this article goes over general rules that apply to all sorts of macaroni salads. Hundreds of salad recipes feature elbow pasta, but the basics like when and how to store it stay the same. So how long, Don? Three to four days. Macaroni, you know, yeah. This is I, the same as what we see elsewhere, right? Yeah, this, is, this, is, this is great. But if you, if you want another website that will give you approximately the same information that's a little bit nicer to look at, let me suggest uh, the Food Keeper, food Keeper. app on yeah. foodsafety.gov or go to the Food Keeper app on your smartphone or other smart device. Well, so, and yeah, so, yeah. so this is the thing, right? Like this is all based, I think, based on a lot of that, that information. And I think you and I we're less conservative than this, right? Like I yeah. would say, I would say seven days in the fridge. Um, I'm giving you an extra three days right off the top. Mm. And it's maybe even longer than that. How long can it sit out? Discard ma macaroni salad that sits at room temperature for more than two hours. And I'd say, no, that, and again, he's, he links directly to USDA, but that's too conservative for me. It's because bacteria multiply rapidly at temperatures between 40 and 140. Well, Sort of, but sort it's of. not exactly the same, right? Like, would you say that bacteria will multiply rapidly? Or and, and specifically, would you say that foodborne pathogens are multiplied rapidly at, temp at 41 degrees? Not as rapidly as they do at 97 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, so furthermore, temperatures above 90, the period shrinks to one hour. So what if you bring want to bring that macaroni salad to a picnic? Well, if you take it out of the fridge right before leaving, leaving and eat it really soon, or you use a portable refrigerator to keep the salad nice and chilled for as long as you need, 
Same is true for other salads. How long coleslaw lasts out of the fridge? Now you have the answer. And in fact, I think coleslaw is a little bit different from macaroni or, or pasta salad, as it's as it's said here, because now I got I'm changing the pH uh, depending on how my coleslaw is made as well. So, all right. So what I, I guess what we're saying here is um, we're we. All right, we did one. I, I I wouldn't say that this is a fail. It's not wrong, but it's very similar to what we've seen elsewhere. Yeah, and it's not. It's he's not giving out anything that's controversial or it's going to hurt anybody, right? Yeah. Okay, I'm that's gonna, fine. I mean, this is a guy who you know he's a computer scientist. He's a photography nerd. He's apparently not a web design nerd. It, it's they're nice photos. It's not it's not bad information. But yeah, I mean, and good for him for getting doesitgobad.com. Yep. How about okay? You ready? Let's do another one. Okay, ready. Does Parmesan cheese go bad? So well, see, already, already, uh, like, so does it go bad? Well, yeah, I uh, guess that's uh, that's the name of the show. The, the <laughs> <laughs> it's not. You've got to pick a premise. You've got to stick to the premise. You can't. You can't. It's a yes or no question. Does well, macaroni salad go bad? Yes. When does it go bad? Right. Well, yes. it doesn't. Yeah. Um, so big block of Parmesan cheese. Um, I thought this was actually pretty good as I'm scanning through this. Tell, tells you how you should store it. Um, how long does how long does Parmesan cheese last? Unopened, seven to nine months. Again, if you look at that, Don, it comes from StellaCheese.com. Once you okay. open the package, Parmesan should retain its best quality for about one to two months. However, keep freshest uh, uh, much longer. Um, with possibly six months of opening. I don't know what that means. How long? Yeah, that would be a typo. Yeah. Within six months of opening? I guess. Um, Once you open the pack, if it's shred... Okay, when it comes to shredded or grated Parmesan that's sold refrigerated, it should have a use-by date too. Since the product is shredded, its quality degrades faster. Thus, it should keep about a week past that date, and that's it. Once you open the package... Use the cheese within three to five days for best quality and maybe up to seven days for okay quality. Like we're talking about shaker cheese here, shaker grated Parmesan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one. Oh, because he goes, those are the unrefrigerated cancers that last about a year or more. Here's here's my advice. Um, get yourself some good Parmesan cheese and invest in a good grater. Don't buy that pre-graded stuff. Oh, my, my that's kids. For, that's for suckers. It's for the kids. It's just like Wu-Tang. It's for the children, Don. Um, it, it, uh, all right. So this this was, I, I feel like we did, we did the experiment. I want, I saw this and I filed it away for us to do this yeah. together. No, it's it's not bad. I mean, yeah. the, the the various pages are are nicely formatted, formatted with for, a, yeah. a, 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 a sans serif font. The main page is really a, just an ugly, ugly, uh, ugly mess. So yeah, yeah. So no, no, this is not. It's not bad. You know what? Would be you know, here. I'm. I'm going to give a. Here's what a great. So I, I found another um, one that I want you to look at. If scroll down to food information, do you see that one on the on your page? No, sorry, I'm 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 on a couple of different pages here. Hold on. All right. So this is on the main. Does it go bad? Right. Scroll down right to the bottom. Okay. And there's food information. Uh, go food to information. Category. Go to category. Yep. Okay. Click on that. Now click on best yes. if used by sell by food product dating. Click on that. Got one. it. Yep. 
so so he, he talks about the difference between use buy sell buy mm-hmm. um best best buy all good he, he gives a lot of pictures of different codes you know mm-hmm. what would be a great website don would be this like mm-hmm. so so jelly the, the you know i scrolled halfway down he's got jelly bean dates on label mm-hmm. and there's it's easy to figure out an 08-22 um if you yep. look at that jelly bean but what does that mean What's best that mean? use buy yeah. Right. Yeah. Like what, what we really need is a website that says here, here's a whole bunch of different dates. Which is it? Like, oh, what am now, I, what am I looking at? So, yeah. so the, the, the jelly bean uh, label is not an English product, not, not labeled in English. And so I suspect if we knew what MHD translated to I guess, right. Yeah. Um, be, best bbd best before date i mean you know so i mean the reason why we don't so i think mhd is telling you something telling mm. someone something Could be. it's not telling us anything because we don't we don't uh, speak this whatever this language is right yeah so, well and- but but again still mh you know even if it was bbd best before date best if used by b i y bot b um that's still we you would just spell it out right yeah well, and, and I, I mean, there's lots of dates that I have in lots of different things that include like codes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, best before date might be there, BB, but also there's a bunch of other stuff. I really want a database of just like crowdsourced pictures of codes where people have de like figured out what it means. Like, like oh, that there's yeah. like, yeah, so like there's LF2 that, that, you know, whatever that that's, th- that was made in this manufactured site or 11 is the plant code or whatever, like all that kind of stuff. Some people yeah. have done that, but I want well, that. And there is, uh, there is a thing, or at least this is this, and this goes back, you know, to my first decade at, at Rutgers, there is a thing, a resource that you can buy that basically decodes all of those codes, right. Mm. To know what they mean. Um, but it takes a lot of time and effort to go into figuring that stuff out. Yeah. And so th- th- it's, it's a for fee service, but I think if you, if you work for a, a big fancy food company and you wanted to like suss out stuff about your competitors, um, you could, you could probably get that information, but it's not, it's not something that somebody's necessarily going to put on a website for free. Right. 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 And, but that's the website we want. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, you go, Ben, you go to, you go to a podcast with the website you have, not the pet, pet, the website you want. Right, right, right. Oh man. Uh, okay. Well, there you go. So anyway, it's not bad. Um, good, good start. Uh, but it was, it was referenced in some article that I was, that I was reading. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, okay. The last thing I wanted to ask you about was, but well, I got two, I have two things for it. One, I got a question from someone who I don't like, sometimes you just get random emails. And so this is my random email that I got. It starts with, well, I have a question for you. (laughs) My husband bought, brought 50 pounds of butter home from a friend who got it from a cookie company. Many pounds of unrefrigerated feta. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Yeah, are we talking river pickles here? Or what are we talking about? Uh, uh, So a friend who got it from a cookie company and he put it in our cold garage this winter. For the coldest part of winter, the temperature was below 40 in the garage for about three weeks. Then he put it in the spare fridge. 
it's been in there for seven months as of today. The butter is, has a manufactured date of 0102-2022. Would it be safe now to freeze it if it's still in the plastic in the paper box? Okay. So that's the question that I got, Doc. Can I give this you my is, answer? Yeah, yeah. This is not a risky or not question, but I want you to, like, I, I'm going to give you the whole back and forth that I've had with this individual. So my answer would be, yes, it's okay to freeze it. Yeah. Right. So, so I said, yeah, it's, I, I'd say it's safe. I guess that the most, it's most likely oxidized and might taste yeah, well, pretty rancid by now. Well, that. Yeah. And that would be, that would be my next comment is, does it, does it taste rancid? Right. Because there really, there isn't, a, there isn't a food safety concern with butter. It's more a, uh, a, a yeah, a rancidity issue. So I, before doing anything with it, I would take, take a taste, right? Okay, yep. So yep. here we go. The Don, I, I'm glad you've gone down that path because the response that I got next was, can the rancid hurt you if it tastes fine? How long can it be frozen for? Okay. Well, if the rancid can't hurt you, and if it has the rancid, it doesn't taste fine because rancid. Right, right. Ken. <laughs> and oh my gosh, exactly. So, so, so my, my response was um, uh, along those lines, let me, let uh -huh. me find it here. Um, uh, it's a quality issue, not safety. It can be frozen as long as you want, but will continue to get more and more rancid. The freezing slows oxidation, but doesn't stop it. USDA recommends up to a year, but I'd suggest that you already have some oxidation going on. So because of, you know, see cool part of the garage uh, for, for the cold months. Um, well, it depends where the garage is. Is it in Nova Scotia? Is, is this, is this uh, Dave Bacon Schaffner? It could have been Dave Bacon Schaffner. Um, anyway, so I said, you've probably got some oxidation going on, much less depending on how the butter was packaged and what temperature yeah. was that. And I thought that was going to be it, Dawn, but another <laughs> message came back afterwards. Okay. Okay. One more question and thank you so much. I know that rancid oil is bad for you. That has gone really rancid. Is butter the same? Yeah. It's now see, this is, this is, this is not, this is also something that was kicking around my brain that if, if, if foods are overtly rancid and we, I'm pretty sure we've talked about this, right? If foods are overtly rancid, that there, there can be toxicological concerns. Yes. I don't know. I don't know if, um, if butter has those same properties, but yes, in ex extreme, but again, if you taste a little bit of it and it tastes fine, even, or let's say you taste a little bit of it and it tastes horrible, you're probably going to be okay, right? I don't, I don't think it's risky to eat a little bit of very, very rancid butter, but that's, again, I'm not a toxicologist. Yeah. Well, and, and so, I mean, exactly. And I kind of said, define bad for you, right? Like, like, I, I, I just want to know what that, what that means, right? Like, it's not going to lead to a foodborne illness. It might be taste horrible, have a mealy texture. In extreme cases, there is some potential for toxin in oil. Um, but you know, it's, it's kind of the, you know, the, the, the thing I wanted to sort of talk through today was the, just the, the mess of difference between bad for you, foodborne illness, mm -hmm. spoiled rancidity, and how hard that is when in, in someone's perception, all those things are similar to each other, right? Like the, so this was, it was a good, like, to me, this was like one of those fun exercises of, yeah, it's not, it's not a safety issue. But I get that you're asking questions that are, um, that, that you, you're not, 
quite seeing the difference between safety issue and spoilage yet, right? Or or rancidity in in our in our back and forth. And so anyway, after I said define bad for you, I didn't get a message back. So I just said it'll taste really horrible, and you should if it tastes really bad, you should avoid it. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Oh, good. You got a good good link here. So I'm I'm googling. I'm looking at Google Scholar with the keywords rancidity and toxicology. Yeah. Uh, and I did I did find this article um, um, from um, uh, uh, sorry uh, brain fart uh, Journal of Toxicology entitled Foodborne Disease Outbreak Due to Consumption of Rancid Biscuits. And I don't have access to the article, but it says it's a foodborne disease outbreak characterized by vomiting, abdominal pain, and diarrhea, mostly children. Uh, this happened in uh, the old city of Hyderabad in India. The offensive flavor of rancidity was masked by a strong pineapple flavor. The rancidity was confirmed by high peroxide value and acidity of extracted fat. Bacterial contamination was excluded uh, by uh, total aerobic plate count and negative tests for staph and salmonella. I'm not sure I'm convinced by that abstract, um, right. but, uh, well, but, but, you know, whatever. Well, and... The abstract, you know, they, they've just defined a foodborne disease outbreak as symptoms, not, yes. like, not you know, not an infection, right. right? So, yeah, it was a, quote, disease outbreak by this d- definition in, right. yeah. Um, uh, okay, last thing I wanted to do was follow up. Th- this is real-time follow-up on an episode of um, Risk or Not that is not yet posted, but probably will have posted by the time I post this episode. Okay. Um, Don, I came across this in Apple news. There was a oh, deal you're all about the Apple news. Yeah, I am. I know. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Cause you're, you, you're not, you, um, but there was a deal <laughs> alert for prime day that I could deal get a alert. deal alert, a nomad, oh. um, presto nomad six quart traveling slow cooker. Nice. Yes. So Don, this is a unique pick cooler style design picnic cooler style design has cool touch housing swing up handle it's great for soup stews casseroles um maybe uh chicken soup uh, chicken roasts even more even less expensive cuts of meat tenderized as they cook six quart holds enough to feed the family it's ideal for buffet style foods it's got a dry erase board slow cook settings for high low and keep warm um i i get a sense that this is like uh, the way that I read this is, is it, it, it just like, it runs on a battery or something. Like I can just keep this out. I don't need to plug it in anywhere. Yeah. It's got a, oh, it, it's, it's on a, oops. It, it's a uh, AC voltage. I can run it off of my, I could be slow cooking in my car on my way to work every day. <laughs> I need some sort of power source, but it's, but it's, it doesn't need the, um, it, it doesn't need to be plugged into the wall. That the way that I read this, you know, oops, you don't need to hear that. So anyway, you can take this portable, um, slow traveling, slow cooker with you. Oh, it's got built-in cord storage for convenience when traveling. Huh? Maybe I missed this for, maybe it actually has a regular. I, I think it, you must be able to plug cause how else would it heat? Right. Well, it's got to heat something, right. Download instruction manual. Let me do that. I just saw, I might've jumped too far ahead. What does the cord look like? Yeah, well, while, while you look for that, I will just tease uh, that episode 327, chicken soup unrefrigerated for more than six hours, which will post on July 13th. 
is about a related topic. Yes. And um, I don't know if you can see it, but I did, I did find some very nice uh, show art, um, which is not what you found, um, which will appear, uh, but it is, uh, it is, uh, it, I think you'll appreciate the, the show art if you can, if, if you click on that link and you, and you can actually see what it, it it's showing you. Okay. Okay. Don, Don, I, I was totally wrong here. I've found it. Uh -huh. Caution. The slow cooker is intended for household use only. <laughs> it should not be used in vehicles. Electrical oh. systems and vehicles vary, although probably not an uh, issue oh. if the slow cooker was set to warm, if set to high or low and plugged into a vehicle's charging point oh, or outlet, it could yeah. drain the battery, blow a fuse, yeah. or even damage. Yeah. Don't put your well, oh, so what wow. is it? It's just a is it just a slow it's, cooker housing it's just a that slow cooker inside a cooler, basically. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, I guess oh. it's better. Maybe it's better for traveling because it's got a locking lid. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, you're not spilling your soup all over the plane. Um <laughs> but but it, oh, but I'm like bringing this on a plane. I think this would. I think TSA would flag this. What, what do you have in there? Oh, I'm sorry. It's just a roast. But I'll be, <laughs> yeah. Um, could I use your outlet to continue the cooking? All right. I may purchase one of these and figure out whether this is will keep what how long it keeps temperature for, and if it is ideal for um going to travel like traveling with it. It's just like how it takes right on the website. It's ideal. Ben. Yeah, yeah, uh huh. It's, if it's <laughs> ideal for, it's, if if it's there, it must be for sure. Oh, it's also great for buffets. That's all it's good for. But it's, it's just got a, a little. It's got a little dry erase board. It's kind of nice, and you can write things on it and say like baked beans. Oh uh, yeah. All right. I thought I had stumbled upon something that was awesome, but oh, it is. It is awesome, Ben. It is yeah. absolutely. It is awesome. I have no no doubt that it is awesome. Not as awesome as I thought it was going to be, though. I thought I thought I'd I'd found something amazing that I could use and take on a plane and take my chicken soup and roast and roast them. Like uh, when I arrive at my at my look at my destination, It'll be fully I'll, cooked. Yeah, I'll have, I'll have a pot roast ready to go. Just and just would anybody like a slice of that? Oh man! Uh, all right, that's all I have. What? what, what oh, yeah. Should we should we talk about snails? Yeah, we should definitely talk about snails. Um, so we we as we as we often do on this podcast, we often get uh, messages, um, text messages uh, from from our friends. Um, and today, a uh, friend of the show, Michelle Daniluk, who is um, I think she's why well, we I don't want to compromise her opsec, but uh, anyway, today she was texted us a tweet um, which we will link to in show notes. Which is the tweet is from Walsall Environmental Health. Um, which is a, a health agency in the UK, I believe. Yep. Right? Yep. And uh, the caption to the photo says, an unusual find at an inspection station today, we found live African snails being sold at the local supermarket for human consumption. And uh, I saw, I, I immediately replied and I said, what's the public health concern? Is it food safety, introduction of foreign pests, something else? And um, uh, friend of the pod, yeah, and yeah. Kirby replies, uh, they're highly invasive and can carry rat lungworm. Now we're uh, talking. There is, there is currently a county in Florida under quarantine due to African land snails. And then uh, Amy uh, tweets out a picture of not herself, apparently, but somebody else holding one of these 
um, and linking to um, a Fox 13 news article. Um, and then of course, um, in the text thread, which nobody can see, uh, but we will also mention, uh, Michelle Daniluk basically gives us the same, the same information. So uh, crazy invasive, we have an eradication program in place. Uh, and she also mentions rat lungworm. So thanks to Michelle uh, and to a friend of the pod, uh, Amy, Amy podcast, excuse me, uh, Amy Kirby, Kirby for uh, answering in a way that the rest of you can see and Michelle for answering in a way that you can't see because it's a text thread. <laughs> yep, yep. Well, and we'll link to um, where I think we yep. learned the most about rat lungworm with some, some illnesses that happened in Hawaii a few years ago. And there's a really nice fact sheet about rat lungworm um, and uh, transmission. So, the, and again, this is the part of the podcast where I butcher the um, pronunciation, angiostrongiolasis, strong, that's, that's rat lungworm, that's the official name. Um, it's a disease that affects the brain and spinal cord, which is not good. Transmission, you can get it by eating food contaminated with the larval stage of these worms. In Hawaii, these larval worms can be found in raw or undercooked snails or slugs. Sometimes people can be infected by eating raw produce that contains small infected snail or slug or part of one. It's not known for certain whether the slime left by the infected snails and slugs are able to cause infection. Ugh, rat lungworm. That mm. is no fun. And what a terrible sounding um, food. Oh, mm. please don't hang on. Turn, scroll down, Don. Um, rat lungworm is a disease. There is a picture of a, of a garden hose that has a caption, please don't let your king oh, kids oh, drink from the garden oh, hose. And it's got like a little mouth, ew. like a little slug mouth there. Rat lungworm is a disease transmitted by conserving the larval stage of a cantinosis worms in Hawaii. These larval worms can be found in the slugs. These snails and slugs can sometimes be found on raw produce and even in the garden hose. Ugh. That, that's like something straight out of Stranger Things. Um, th that looks like a demigorgon. Yeah. Do you know about the demigorgons? Demigorgon. I know what a demigorgon is. I have not been watching Stranger Things. Um, it's not our television doesn't get that, as we say. <laughs> the um, dem demogorgon. Demogorgon. I, I say it wrong. Um, yeah, it's it's from it's from D and D. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it looks like that. I, I am familiar with Dungeons and Dragons. I am not familiar with uh, with Stranger Things. So, well, you, yeah, it's here. I'm going to give you a nice little picture here. Um, the Demogorgon. There I'm gonna, it is. I'm going to link to the Wikipedia article. Yep, and then you could see a cool, cool picture from straight from Stranger Things. What it looks like that garden hose. That's what's stuck in that garden oh, hose. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yep. No, I don't want that. I'm not drinking from the garden hose. Kids, don't drink from the garden hose. Not in Hawaii, anyway. No, not Hawaiian. Yeah, or not Florida. at all. Certain or Florida. Florida. I don't want to come across one of these huge snails. This would scare I, me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. There you go. Hey, this is the, like like they say on the on the internet. Um, Don, this is why unannounced food hygiene and safety inspections matter. <laughs> that was one, the response. One reason. Yep. There it is. Um, all right. I think that's a show. I think you're right. I think that's a show. Uh, uh, all right. I will. Uh, I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.
we had a whole two hours. Yeah, yeah, we were good. We there was lots to talk about today, and like good, long, long, long form stuff. Yes, yes. Um. Okay. So, cool. So, uh, smoke detector update. Um. We, they've stopped going off. I don't know if you've noticed. Yes, I noticed. Um, and it was because my my lovely and talented wife um, researched it on the internet and went and sprayed them all with compressed air because apparently uh, that was what was causing the problem. Oh, and there you go. Well, uh, so. there there was some there was some dust or, or flakes or something. Yeah, I don't know why though, because we don't. I mean, the, the house yeah. has been. I mean, we did have they did go off when they were sanding the the floor. Well, maybe maybe this maybe. is. Yeah, I don't know. It's, Residual yeah. sanding. I don't think so. I don't think so. But anyway, we've, we've solved the problem. Hopefully it will not recur. Oh, good. Um, okay. Two weeks from now, how is um, Wednesday the 20th in the afternoon? It's not two weeks from now. That's 13 days from now. Oh, true, afternoon. true. In the um, in the, for, the next fortnight. Um, <laughs> for, our podcast is fortnightly. Um, fortnightly. Um, um, so I, <clears throat> what time? Um, in between noon and three. I, I could do, I could do noon to two. Yep. That works. Is okay. that not ideal? Like I can move. Some oh no, stuff it's around. fine. Actually, yeah. what I've got, I've got a CFP committee meeting, which I just have to show up at. Um, okay. uh, and then I've got a three o'clock meeting that I have to pay attention for, but, uh, but it's, it's, yeah, that's, that's fine. Okay. FST noon to two on, uh, the 20th. That was, that was easy. Um, oh, can you meet with me and uh, a few of my folks and the um, Nata Opsec, a, mm. a, 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 a company that makes poultry sandwiches? <laughs> can you meet with us? If you poultry do what? Poultry, poultry sandwiches. Poultry sandwiches. Okay, sure. Yeah. Um, on uh let me look at uh the dates that we have available this was on my list mm -hmm. um could you meet on the 21st um at noon noon to one yes okay done that was easy i will uh let everybody know oh and actually give me another let, let's see if they can meet and like they may need, need another day what about the 25th um between 10 and 1 um only because it's you no it's okay i can, I can do 10 it's okay I gotta, I gotta or teach i gotta teach that afternoon but not the 10 is fine okay um all right so that's my 10. But, my, but the other one is definitely preferred okay um so that was 27 21 12 p.m. I could do that whole day on the 21st, by the way. Okay. I think I can do most of that day too. I've got some stuff. That's that's a like a whole kind of perfect. Um okay. I will get back to you on that. Okay. Um, and seven, 25, 10 AM don't, I mean, you can hold them. There's no need to yet. Like if, yeah. Oh, well, no, I, if gotta, you want to hold them, you want to hold them. I put yeah, them in. Yeah. Perfect. And then okay. just, just tell me when it is actually. Yep. I will. We should get back to you on that tomorrow. Oh, that's fine. Yep. Perfect. Okay. 
Cool. I think that's it. All right. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.